welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. It is November 3rd, 1995. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Are you like upset that it's 1995? No. Okay. Why? Because that's what you sounded like. Well, it's November 3rd, 1995. This this show is the biggest thing happening right now. On tapes being passed around by people's cousins and, you know, back rooms, but yeah, sure. Yeah, that's correct. The biggest thing happening. It is the- also an internet sensation. Internet. The, the net. The, the, the web, as they say. The information highway. Super highway. Yes, just, give it its due. It's a super highway. Because we have a super, super website. Would you consider the Beatles a super band? Sure. Do you think that they were the superest band? <laughs> you are such a freak. So many people, they have to choose between the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, they say. Okay. As the greatest rock and roll band to ever live. Okay. But I say, what about uh, the Trogs? The fuck? Who are the Trogs? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what about the What about the Crickets? All right, we're gonna move on. I think. What about Herman's Hermits? What about the Beach Boys? Kokomo. Yeah. Sure. Come on. Beach Boys. They totally beat the Beatles. Is In My Life any better than anything the Beach Boys have ever done? Or how about the Monkees? <laughs> there you go. That's the one. That's That was the one that was the comedy answer that I, <laughs> that I missed. The Monkees. That was it. But what about the Monkees? Oh, I should re-edit that. Hey, hey, we're the Monkees. And people say we monkey around. <laughs> But they're too busy singing to put anybody down. They're, they're just nice guys. Right? Anyway, speaking of the Beatles, though. Beetle mania. Mamia? Are you maiming people? <laughs> We're maiming people with Beatles albums. Carving I'm Beatles smashing. into your skin. Oh, God. <laughs> that got dark. <laughs> We're cutting uh, beetle shapes out of... Well, I'm sorry, but, you know, maiming is not typically, like, light and fluffy. Yeah, that's true. Beatlemania, though, gets back. Gets back for November Sweeps. The November Sweeps Week is upon us, according to uh, Mike Duffy, uh, TV debut or whatever, a Captain Video file he does. Mike Duffy's pretty good. He's a good dude. But ABC which apparently is rebranding themselves as uh, the American Beatles Corporation. Ha, 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 ha. They're doing... They were recently purchased by Disney. Remember that? Uh, Cap, no. Cap Cities and ABC was uh, was purchased by uh, Disney. But anyway... I believe you. I just don't care. You better believe me. They... They are rebranding themselves the American Beatles Corporation for the month of November because, as you know, this is one of those time periods where I don't know exactly what sweeps is. They, I know that all of a sudden what the ratings are become incredibly important. I think it's, I think it's when they do advertising, probably when when advertisers set their budgets and stuff like that. So they're like, okay, well, what's the 
what are the ratings, what are we going to charge for our advertising coming up. But there is a six-hour, three-night anthology series called uh, The Beatles. Ooh. The Beatles anthology series. They're, they're, they're releasing a new album of their best of hits. Nice. Some never-before-heard tracks. Some interviews with Brian May and the surviving Beatles. Obviously, John Lennon dead because of, uh, what's his name, Mark David Chapman, whichever one it was. Sorry. <laughs> what do you mean? It's, <laughs> sorry. Sorry to hear. What are you, Jodie Foster? <laughs> you, you're, you're apologizing. Do you think you inspired him to do this? <laughs> I'm doing this for Carol. <laughs> Of a of a show that on tapes that that haven't don't exist yet. He was a time traveler, right? There you go. If you're out there, do it. Kill him. If there are any time travelers out there, show up right now and tell us. Mm, no, that's disappointing. Darn. Um. Anyway, so three part. That's a huge retrospective, and I think it's going to be. I'm interested. I'm a fan of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. So, are the Beatles? <laughs> They're fine. Help. I can do a perfect Beatles impression, but only one word of every. Okay. <laughs> Lucy. <laughs> Places. What song is that, you know? No. Okay. I'm sorry. I wish I did. It's all right. Uh, oh, how about this is a classic one. Yesterday. Well, That's obviously, easy. everybody knows that. <laughs> so I should have done, um, stay. Anyway, this is uh, getting boring. So there are some other, you know, obviously everybody else is trying to kind of catch up. Uh, Demi Moore's movie Indecent Proposal Ooh. and Bill Murray's Groundhog Day. Also... We'll both get their network uh, television premieres (laughs) uh, during Sweeps Week. Uh, CBS has got Sidney Sheldon's Nothing Lasts Forever on Sunday and Tuesday. It's a melodramatic soap opera. Uh, Something Brooke Shields, Vanessa Williams, NYPD Blues, Gail O'Grady as three doctors struggling against the male-dominated bureaucracy of a big city hospital. All right. Soul Train's 25th anniversary Hall of Fame special, uh, which is going to be hosted by Arsenio Hall. Oh, Arsenio. Uh, <laughs> Michael Jackson's going to be there, though, and Whitney Houston, Diana Ross, and Barry White. Do you know Barry White? Barry White. Sure. And then Reba starting over. A concert special devoted to the country music diva. Now that I think we can skip. I'm going to skip most of this. <laughs> But I will definitely watch. I will definitely watch the Beatles anthology. You know what I think we should watch when we're watching the Beatles anthology? We should also watch not simultaneously. But okay, I'm, I was gonna I'm say. just saying. I think we should also watch Indecent Proposal. Oh yeah, Indecent Proposal is a good movie. It's like an awesome movie. Did we talk about Indecent Proposal? I don't think so. If we didn't, I think we should. I think, I don't remember if that came out before we started the show or not. <laughs> God. 
It's all just running it's together and becoming so a blur. so long that we've been doing this show. We're coming up on two years. Two seasons in the in the books almost. Two seasons. Two. I mean, two full-on years. We didn't really yeah. take a break. Yeah, but I label these as seasons. Well, okay, season whatever. one is 1994. Season two is 1995. Season three will be 1996. Aren't you guys excited for season three? What do you think season four will be? I don't know. 2010, some, for some reason. <laughs> no, season four will be 1997. Uh, <laughs> but before we get into the stuff that we want to talk about, yes, let's talk about something we don't want to talk about. Okay. No, it is a, a return, a triumphant return to a crowd favorite. Uh, it's massive love. Woo-hoo. We've got some massive love going on over here. How about this one? Now, this is a, this is, we usually, we'll go with alternative section. We'll go to the gay section, stuff like that. We like to, we like to highlight the alternative lifestyles. We like to highlight the gay lifestyles because we feel that the straight people get enough love. Sure. From all the other shows that don't exist (laughs) that do this. But one stuck out to me from the, the, you know, heterosexual section. Sure. Well-built, attractive, single white male with GQ look. (laughs) Classy Italian seeking female 21, exactly 21. Oh, goodness. For discreet pleasure. Discreet pleasure. I'm sure they mean 21 and up. Says 21. If you're 22, you're too old for this classy (laughs) Italian with a GQ look. So weird. The classy Italian GQ look. 21. Maybe he wants to take them to the casino and go to the high roller room and pretend that they're a millionaire. Maybe. I I, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, that's bizarre. Funny, funny, funny what money can do. Do you think that he has money? No. Or do you think that he just wants to look like he has money? I don't. where Where are you getting money? GQ. Gentlemen's Quarterly. Yeah. That's, that's like fancy clothes. That's more, I think that's more of like a model look. Okay. He's saying he looks like a model. He's a classy Italian guy that looks like a... He's a liar. Come bella celluna, vile strette. <laughs> right? All that stuff? Uh-huh. He's a liar. All right. Well, if you're a 21-year-old woman, 20, no. 22, no. But if you're 21 <laughs> uh, and you... you Want to give him a whirl? Yes. Maybe, uh, maybe he's seeking, you know, somebody for some kind of uh, secret society thing. Discreet like. pleasure, he says. Yeah. Although it says discreet, comma pleasure, so I, I don't get that. For discreet, comma pleasure, what's discreet then? See, you should have saved the money on the comma and made it a plus sign. Twenty-one and up. There you go. Or discreet and pleasure, I guess. Well, what is discreet? I'm looking for someone for discreet. <laughs> Does he mean excrete? Ew. A white Christian businessman, 43, wondering if there are any gals <laughs> who'd really appreciate an honest, down-to-earth, physically, emotionally, and spiritually fit guy. No. <laughs> there is nobody out there. Looking for that. Wow. Do you think? Um, no, I think there definitely is, but 
They're I not, don't. They're not looking I, in the I paper. I think he's also lying. Yeah, they're not looking in the paper. Right. You but, think he's a murderer? <laughs> maybe. I mean, it's just like everybody who says like, oh, you know, I'm like the whole package. I got everything going. They're not putting ads in the paper. Right. Yeah. You would think that he'd be able to just find a, a gal. Right. <laughs> maybe it's because he calls them gals. Maybe it's because he only wants a Christian. There's our time traveler. Yeah. He, he came from 1953. <laughs> hey, gals. <laughs> uh, bi, white, male, 38, slim, six feet tall seeking same or couple oh my for discreet good times serious only canton area hey we're near the canton area (laughs) serious only but you're looking for a couple like how serious are you gonna get with a couple he wants so this dude wants a a a 38 year old guy Mm. or a couple or a couple 38-year-old guys? <laughs> I think he might be better off with that. <laughs> Basically, I think what he's saying is he's like, I want another guy to sleep with, and if you got to bring a girl along, I guess it's fine. Right. How weird. Chubby, gay, white male, 35, with nice personality. So like that the, means they're very, very much ugly. I like that. That's the that's that's the 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 papering over the holes <laughs> in the wall. I mean, it's like it's like okay, you get like I'm super attractive. I look like a model, whatever. So they look passable as a person, right? Good personality means you're gonna hide them at home. Chubby gay white male, thirty five with nice personality, seeking engineer or computer tech type. I think this person just needs help with their home computer. <laughs> what the fuck? I can't get it to print. <laughs> seeking engineer or computer tech type. Please call. Wait a minute. Is he seeking a guy or a girl? Doesn't say. Well, he's gay, okay. so I guess a guy. Because I mean, stereotypically, you would think that an engineer or an IT person would be a guy. What does IT mean? Isn't that what they said? Computer tech. Ah, computer technician. Interesting. Carol's got her own acronyms over here. Cute single black male, twenty-two with dimples. Sure. Good. Enjoys horseback riding, travel, seeking single male, 20 to 50. That's a huge that age is. range. Wow, that's like anybody, as long as you're not my grandpa. Oh, my God. For friendship or relationship. Very long-haired divorce white male. Really? That's interesting. 47, 6'1", 160 pounds. Oh, you're a... Uh, a rail there, sir. <laughs> Into airplanes, beaches, cats, <laughs> what kind of- hidden clubs, and fashion. Hidden clubs? Yep. What this- is a hidden club? I don't know. Like a hedonistic club? What the? This guy sounds interesting. That's a that's a hell of a thing to put between cats and fashion, right? By the way. <laughs> 
Maybe you should lead with Heaton Clubs. <laughs> Very long-haired, divorced white male, 47, 6'1", 160 pounds, into airplanes, beaches, cats, Heaton Clubs, and fashion, seeking non-religious tall female. So seeking a girl that will do any deranged thing that you want. Apparently, because he's into Heaton Clubs. <laughs> Who is also tall. Yeah, although six one's not super tall, but it's tall. It's I mean it's fine. That implies that being short is not fine. No, I I mean I'm not saying Which I'm I saying, disagree. I'm saying it's average or, or whatever. It's a it's slightly above average. Six one's slightly above average. But yeah, this is some kind of weird hippie dude. Yeah, weird. Cats, heathen clubs, <laughs> and fashion. I just picture this guy in a bathing suit with the super long hair rolling around with a cat on a beach. <laughs> While an airplane crashes uh, behind him and a bunch of hedonists parachute out. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, my God. Does anybody have a ponytail around here? <laughs> this is the kind of guy that wears a leather vest with nothing underneath it. Oh. <laughs> uh, passion deprived, Carol? No, actually. You're damn right you're not. Attractive, <laughs> content, but romantically challenged. Professional, married, white male, 42. What seek, the fuck? Seeking slim, educated, white female, 35 to 45, in similar position. Content, but romantically challenged, mm-hmm. but married. Fuck off. He's professional, married. There's no comma between that. <laughs> so he's professionally married. He's a professional husband. <laughs> yeah, well, he wants, um, you know, he wants someone to sleep with. What does romantically challenged mean? I think it means that his wife's not giving it up. That's what I think it means. They're not banging. So divorce your wife mm-hmm. and get a girl that will sleep with you. Don't do this. Dude. <laughs> what? I just liked the, the slow way you're walking him through this. Like, <laughs> don't do this, dude. <laughs> no, I'm just saying he's a douche. Okay. White couple with curious streak. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We're always curious about everything. Honey, how, how do you think... <laughs> How do you think cars work? Okay, so I'm picturing them naked in a bed with a bunch of encyclopedias laying around. <laughs> just reading to each other. Looking for couple or bi female who's very clean and discreet. All calls answered. Okay, is that all it says? Mm-hmm. It doesn't say anything about who they are? No. They're, what they're the a white fuck? couple with a curious streak. That's it, though. You know you know everything you need to know about them now. Wow. You know what I want to know is all these people that are curious, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when these curious people get their curiosity sated, mm-hmm. how many of them really are happy about it? Like, they're just curious. They're not like, hey, this is definitely for me. So, like, you're answering this ad, and you're like, hey, maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't. Seems like That is a funny idea. A risk, Let's say you know? you're a couple. And you bring a, a bi female into the, the, you know, the bedroom. Right. And then you guys do your thing. And then at the end, they, the, the couple looks at each other like, I don't like that at all. 
<laughs> Sorry, madam. Here are your clothes. Be gone. Yeah. How about this one? Hmm. Uh, double Scorpio. What does that mean? It's like two of you. I know I'm a Scorpio, but what does double Scorpio mean? Well, is it a couple that are both Scorpios? No, I don't think so. That's what I thought. Double Scorpio, very good looking, clean, discreet, uninhibited, single white male, 47, 5'8", 145 pounds. Looking for He's cu- a little. Look, yeah, looking for couple or single female for fun times. Race open. Couple or single female. Mm-hmm. Double Scorpio. Maybe it means that he's, he's a, sun, and a sun sign and moon sign are both Scorpio. Well, I don't. What is the difference? I don't know any of that. Uh, like every planet, there's the sun, the moon, all the different planets. The, <laughs> every planet. And then you say the sun and the moon. The sun, <laughs> the moon, and all the planets. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> every planet. You know, like the or sun. constellations, I the, guess. The king of planets, the sun. I don't know. Anyways. Uh, they, they can be in like alignment in different places that mean different things as far as your personality. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what it means when he's saying he's double Scorpio is that he has like super strong Scorpio tendencies because mm. it's the sun and the moon. I wonder, and the, the sun and the moon, <laughs> all I want to do. Um, if I'm totally wrong, though, feel free to correct me, peoples out there. Listening to the tapes. I, I wonder what I am, if I'm a double Scorpio. I'll do your chart, if you want. Thanks. Uh, Aw, I was, like, really excited about that. I'm kind of curious, but I'm not by curious. You don't have a, a curious streak? <laughs> not curious enough. All right. No, you can, do, you can do my chart if you want. I don't care. Yay. I'll do your, I'll do your chart, and then I'll share it. We all right. could all get to know Mark much better. Yeah, that's what we all want. <laughs> anyway, speaking of getting to know things better, we got to know Seinfeld better Yeah, this week because we watched Seinfeld this week. No soup for you. Yeah. Interesting. The Soup Nazi. I, I think this is my favorite episode now. So far, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh... I don't know. You want you want to talk about the movie or you want to talk about this? I guess I'll talk about this. All right. Then I got to go through the plot of that fucking the serpentine plot of the movie that we watched. That's why I chose the Seinfeld episode. All right, so you go ahead and tell us about <laughs> so, Seinfeld. They have discovered this like amazing soup stand. But mm-hmm. the guy running it, they call the soup Nazi because he's fucking crazy. Yeah. And everybody needs to like walk in. State their order clearly. Put the money down. Step to the side. Mm-hmm. And if you vary from that, then you can get in trouble. You can get banned. It's like a you production line. You can be told, line. no soup for you. Right. Yeah. So. That's his catchphrase. <laughs> no soup for you. Yeah. So Jerry manages just fine. George. Jerry's the one that discovered it somehow. Yeah. We don't really, we don't really say how. I guess. I guess Kramer probably told him about it because we learned later that Kramer's like good friends with him somehow. Right. Well, yeah, I was wondering, and like, how does somebody figure out how this place works if nobody tells them? Yeah, like, I want to see that. I want to see the origin story of the soup right. Nazi. <laughs> I want to see the new soup Nazi when he was in the soup Bergenstrasse. <laughs> 
and he and his buddy, the the or the girl that's at the cash register when they started the uh, the soup uh, rich tog fire, and then <laughs> and then signed the soup rich tog fire decree, and then started the soup Nazi part. <laughs> right. So I mean, it starts out in Jerry's apartment where they're talking about going to get the soup. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to tell Elaine how it works. And she doesn't really freaking want to hear oh, it. Oh, she don't care. And then... You she- know Elaine. She's all <laughs> wild and crazy. and right. She's like her hair. She's just all over the place and kinky. <laughs> on the way there, she sees an armoire on the side of the street that she decides she just must have. Beautiful armoire. Who does that? Who's just like, I'm going to walk down the street and purchase an armoire. Well, who's selling an armoire on the street? This guy's just sitting next to this <laughs> armoire. Like, uh... It's two fifty, but you've got a nice face, so I'll sell it for two hundred. It's very strange. The whole thing is very, very strange. That's a funny line, when Jerry's. This is a very, very funny episode. Yes, so I like more than just the soup Nazi stuff. There's a lot of funny things going on in this episode, but I like how Jerry says, uh, "He's giving you the he's giving you the nice face discount." <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, "Okay, I'm I'm not going to get soup. I'm staying here to get an armoire." Mm-hmm. Then. They get to the soup place. This is a deal, too, by the way, because we'll get to the back to the armoire in a minute. But I just want to say this real quick. Mm-hmm. This is a, to me, this is a deal because it's a very nice piece of furniture. It is. 200 bucks for this armoire. And he helps her move it to her building because they're not by her. I mean, they're somewhat by her building, but they're not at her building. Right. Next time we see this armoire, it's he's there with her and it's outside her building and she's talking to her super. Yeah. So it's true. He like it's 200 bucks and he helps her move it to where her apartment is. That's pretty good. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. But anyway, so yeah, they go to the soup stand and you know, Jerry's telling George, you gotta, you know, just do what I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. Follow the steps. No funny business. They don't give George the bread. He orders turkey chili and he doesn't get his bread. Uh, And he says everyone ahead of him got free bread. And he goes bread, $2 extra. Right. But everyone ahead of me got bread for you know, for free. You want bread? And then he says three dollars. Three dollars. <laughs> and Jerry's like, just let it go. Just he, let it go. He's like, what? <laughs> no soup out of you. Yeah. And they give him his money back and they and take the soup back. the soup out of his hands. Yep. So he demands perfection. <laughs> Jerry gets his crab bisque, which sounds really. I good. know. I want some so bad. Lobster bisque is. It, I like. I, there are a couple different places that serve lobster bisque that is delicious. Yes. And. Crab bisques, you know, it would be similar to me. Lobster bisque is really good. Oh, God, I love lobster bisque so much. God, now I want to go get soup. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, the next thing we see is Elaine is in front of her building. Like you said, she's talking Mm -hmm. to her super. Super's like, no moving on Sundays. So, we've established this is a Sunday. Yeah. So, he's just like, okay, well, we're going to leave it on the street. The guy who helped her get it there, he's like, I'm just the... Street guy, or what did, what did yeah. he say? I can't remember what he said. Yeah. But he's like, he, he's basically, he said, hey, I, oh, I don't I don't have street layaway <laughs> or something like that. You got to take it now. I can't hold it for you, you know, because she paid for it already. Yeah. Um, so he leaves, which is fine. I mean, he, he to me, he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. He helped her carry it to her building. And then he's like, okay, I mean, that's it now. You know, like, I'm, we can't carry it up to your, I think he was going to help her carry it to her apartment. I think he wanted to have sex with her. Maybe. But then Wait he was like, uh, we can't get into your apartment, so forget it. We're done. Wait a minute. The super 
I thought the super wouldn't help her. I didn't realize the super was preventing them from moving it in. No, he's saying you can't because of the disturbance. Oh. He's saying no. Yeah, and, and there are lots of apartments, even outside of New York, have those kind of restrictions. Interesting. But he was like, yeah, there's no moving on Sunday. You can't move furniture on Sunday because it's too much of a disturbance. Wow. So that's... he's like, I'll help you do it tomorrow. That's awful. So she somehow gets Kramer to agree to guard yeah. this arm. Kramer will do anything. Yeah, he he is a pretty nice dude, but he bursts into the <laughs> into the apartment like he does, grabs a cushion from Jerry's uh, couch, just kind of glances at him and goes, "Yeah," and then starts to walk <laughs> off. Just like, "Hey, what's going on?" <laughs> so yeah, so he says that he's you know going to go guard this thing, and he asks Aline for soup. Mm-hmm. Mulligatani. So she she's like, okay, so she's going to go get him soup for. For him sitting outside guarding her armoire. Mm. Elaine. Do you feel like what happens, which again, we'll get back to, but what happens with the armoire? Do you feel like Elaine would have handled that so much better? Yes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't think any, I don't think it would have happened if Elaine was there. Oh no, it definitely would not have. She's much tougher than Kramer. Mm-hmm. Which tougher is than all it, of them. It was not a good idea really for him to be the one. No. But. He's like, wait a minute, you don't even know how it works. She's like, ah, I got it. So she's, she goes in. And it's so funny. Everyone else is like serious and mm-hmm. has their crap together. And she's They're marching spreads, along. They're goose stepping through this place. She spreads her arms out. She's leaning on the counter. Mm-hmm. She's tapping on things. She's not sure what she wants. Mm-hmm. Is that lima bean? Never been a fan. Ugh. Yeah. She says. So... You know, all her shenanigans get her banned for a year. Well, he's like, at first, he's kind of putting up with it. I think she's getting the nice face treatment from him, too. (laughs) Right. Because he's like, he's sort of putting up with it because she says, is that lima bean? He's like, yeah. Like, he can tell he's amazed. You can tell he's pissed, but like, he's, you know, he's at least answering her. And it's when she goes, did anyone ever tell you you look Oh, yeah, you look like Al Pacino. Pacino. You know, set of a woman. Hoo-ah. <laughs> he's just, he just kind of starts like chuckling a little bit. He's got this smile on his face. He's like, he's like, you know what? He, he knows it for you. And then he one goes, year. you come back one year. <laughs> so awesome. So oh, she gets goodness. kicked out, uh, even though she ends up coming back more than anyone else. Right. I think that's the one where, what's his name? Newman's in front of her. Newman gets his one line of the episode because he gets uh, a jambalaya and then he leaves and he like he sticks his face in the bag and <laughs> smells it and goes jambalaya. He's such a weirdo. And then he starts to he runs like a cartoon character. <laughs> like I can hear just the like noise as he's he's doing that with his feet <laughs> as he's running like rapidly up and down. So she goes back to Kramer. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, no, before she comes back. Yeah, in the interstitial between <laughs> yeah. her not getting the soup and coming back. A gay couple is walking down the street. Mm-hmm. And one of them stops and is admiring the armoire. What mm-hmm. a beautiful piece of furniture. Oh, beautiful armoire. The other one. One's Puerto Rican. Puts his hands on it and says, white. grab the other side. <laughs> let's go. Yeah. And they're going to take this armoire. They're just going to steal it off the street. Who does that? These guys. And so Kramer's like, hey, what are you doing? That belongs to my friend. 
And they start threatening him. Mm-hmm. These are the toughest dudes ever. Yeah. You want to get hurt? Do you want me to hurt you? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? I don't think they would have hurt him. I didn't really because see. Because they're, they're gay? No, not because they're gay. But I mean, like, there was no weapon. There was no actual physical posturing. The one guy was Puerto Rican. He's got a blade somewhere. <laughs> oh, no. You did not. <laughs> Oh, goodness, no. <laughs> I don't think these guys would have hurt him. I'll have to be careful next time I go to New York. <laughs> yeah, the Puerto Rican neighborhood. Because all the blades will be out for me. What is it? The sharks and the jets? Come on. <laughs> Maria. But yeah, they scared him. He he was scared. Mm-hmm. He jumped back. He, he slipped. Did, yes. He's like, okay. And he just let them take it. And he, they stole the armoire that she paid $200 for. So she comes back with no soup to no armoire. She says, what happened? He goes, it was stolen. <laughs> Street Tufts. Street Tufts took it from me. Street Tufts took my armoire. At one point, somebody's like, did they take any money? Nope, just the armoire. They were quite taken with it. <laughs> And then later, he's walking on the street with Jerry, and they see them again looking in the window yeah. of some shop. And he goes up to them. He's like, hey. And uh, the one that's not Puerto Rican goes, what are you talking to me? <laughs> and he's like, oh, maybe he was talking to me. And they like, they like start intimidating him. And they're like, oh, we were just kind of talking to each other. And then Jerry and, and Kramer look at each other and just take off running. <laughs> so Hilarious. Funny. Yeah, they're really chicken shits. Oh, for sure. They all are. I Except mean, I, I guess you have to assume that the guys would hurt them. Maybe. Elaine would have shouted them down, though. Oh, man. yeah. She would, and she would have need them in the groin mm, or something. For sure. Yeah. No way. No way they would have taken that from her. Elaine is clearly the toughest of, of all of them. <laughs> but, yeah. So, the other plot line we have going on here mm. is that Jerry has a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Sheila. Yeah, they call each other Shmoopy. Shmoopy. And they baby talk. And oh, they Shmoopy. kiss. And they're so gross. Yeah. Should we do that on the air here? Shmoopy. Shmoopy. Oh, it might, yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, God, Ugh. it's grating. And so... Uh, uh, I'm not a huge fan of public displays of affection at all. Are you? Not really. A kiss. You know, a, a, a quick kiss here and there sure but not like a hanging on each other and yeah. you know like there's the, a time the, and a place and the baby talk stuff like i don't like that's that at gross. all that's gross that is gross i don't like it at all no in any context so yeah just, they're having sex and they're baby talking each uh, other like it's so gross i hope not ugh, ugh. Ugh. um george when she walks in and is calling jerry schmoopy he's mm-hmm. just like yeah you know what i'm busy tonight we're not going to the movies <laughs> I changed my mind. And Jerry's like, just like that? He's like, just like that. Yep. So, yeah, he really dislikes Jerry's girlfriend. Yeah, they end up seeing uh, each other. Him and Susan go into the cafe that they go to, Monks. And they see Jerry and his girlfriend, mm-hmm. Sheila. And they're on the same side of the the booth. Yeah. And they sit down and... Jerry's or George is like same side of the booth, huh? He's like, yeah, you know. Uh, and he goes, I think it's just a little weird, you know, to be on the same side of the booth. The other side be empty. And uh, then George decides to try to teach Jerry a lesson. Mm-hmm. 
and starts baby talking with his fiance. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of Susan. Yeah, it's kind of funny because they start baby talking, they start kind of smooching, and like it's kind of becoming a contest. Yeah. And she likes it. Susan is into it. Uh huh. So he, he should have told her right away. He should have nipped that shit in the bud. But he did not. And she was like, oh, you're my nookums or Ugh. whatever. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, she she was like horny for it. It was yeah. not good. Yeah, it's no no good at all. <laughs> so, But that's basically, and then, then they break up. They break up off screen. Well, the, he did take her to get soup. Don't forget he took her to get soup. Yeah, that's true. And uh, she gets banned as well. Because they're kissing in line. He's like, no kissing, no kissing in my no line. No one kisses in my line. She's like, I'll kiss wherever I want to. He goes, no soup are you. <laughs> and she's like, come on, Jerry, let's go. And Jerry looks at the soup Nazi and he looks at her and looks at the soup Nazi and then he looks at her and says, do I know you? <laughs> <laughs> I think they hired this woman, this, this actress, just for the look she gave when he says that. Because she gives the best, like, horrified, angry, surprised face. Yes. Yeah, it's a good one. It's hilarious and believable at the same time. Um, also, for some reason, Kramer is friends with the soup Nazi. Mm-hmm. He is standing there talking to him because they're they're both because they're both wackos. That's why. <laughs> right. Kramer's like, you know, you 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 demand perfection of your soup and yourself. How can I expect any less from my customers? He's like. <laughs> Yeah, they have some sort of understanding. So he's telling him the story about the armoire getting stolen. So he gives him an armoire to give to Elaine. He doesn't know it's for Elaine. No. But just a friend of Kramer's. Right. He's like, you know, I got an armoire. You can give her to her. So she's going through the armoire, talking about how great it is. And she finds his recipes. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, she goes down to thank him for the armoire. Yeah, bad mistake. And he's like, for you. I would have chopped it up. Like, yeah. Just oh, he's like, pissed. Oh, yeah. He's like, I would never have given it to you. So she um, decides to use the recipes against him. Yeah. She finds all the recipes for all his soups in this armoire. Why he just left recipes lying around in this armoire, I don't know. And then, like, gave it away. Like, mm-hmm. what a fucking idiot. You go through the drawers if you're giving something like that away. Right. So then... Uh, yeah, here's all my, uh, here's my Iron Cross. <laughs> it's a Nazi medal. Oh, God. That I didn't, I forgot to take. Um, but anyway, so he, uh, she goes down there and she's like, um, she goes down there more than any of them, I think. Yeah. And she's banned in the very yeah. first time. She she's goes down, down there, there like three or four times. But she says, uh, hey, uh, you know, I can make my own soup. And she's starts reading the thing. He's like. <laughs> That's my recipe for wild mushroom. She's like, that's right. You know, uh, game over or whatever. No soup for you. You know, all that stuff. Yeah, which is not how I would have played it. Like I said, I would have gone down there with recipes and traded for the ability to not be banned. Because wouldn't it be better to just have him make it for you? I would have talked to him. You know, like when when work was over, when his thing was closed, I would have been like, look, I have these. And I would have been like, hey, you gave me the armoire. I, I want to give you a chance. Let's reach an understanding. You know, sorry if I didn't do everything the way exactly you wanted, but, you know, I'm an individual, and and they could have come to an understanding, but then it wouldn't be a comedy show. Right. But, yeah, in real yeah, life. Yeah, now we're getting what, into a drama. Real life, that's how I would have handled it. But hilarious episode. Very Very funny. good episode. Very funny, schmoopy. This is why this is the funniest show on TV. 
I like it better than Friends. I said it. Wow. I know, I know, I know. It's big for you. I disagree. This is more my type of humor than Friends is, though. Friends okay. is funny, and I don't dislike Friends. I like the show. And the Friends has the advantage of everyone's humor is a little different. Like, Chandler is more my type of humor, where it's very, like, it's dry, sarcastic, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then there's the wackier elements of humor, the more slapsticky stuff. You know, each friend kind of brings their, or each each actor kind of brings their own style of humor. So it's a good, it's a mix of different, like, humor types, right? And that's an advantage that that show has. But, like, Seinfeld is, is pretty much, like, my level, like, my exact type of humor. Okay. And it just, it works for me all, all the way through. I understand why more people would might like Friends, although Seinfeld gets bigger ratings hmm. but but anyway yeah it's hilarious to me well i mean like i said i i love friends also but yes speaking of hilarious although this movie i don't know if i would call hilarious no it's got its it's funny and it has its own its own style now it's uh get shorty by uh it's a book by elmore leonard a 1999, nine, 19, are we in the future? A 1990 novel. There you go. By Elmore Leonard that was adapted for the screen starring, uh, what's his name? I almost said Bruce Willis. And John Travolta. John Travolta and Rene Rousseau. And Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito's in it. Gene Hackman, the great Gene Hackman's mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, it's a pretty all-star cast for sure. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, so we watched it. Uh, what do you what do you think for impressions of the movie overall? I mean, I I enjoyed the movie. There was a mm-hmm. lot going on. It was a little hard to keep all the different character relationships and stories straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like at one point they're all sitting at a table together, and the girl sitting there has had sex with every guy at the table at one point or another. <laughs> I mean, that's some pretty complicated relationship they didn't stuff. Bring going that on. up, but no. Sure. But I mean, I'm just saying, like, it's just the truth. I mean, it was like a lot of relationships Renee Russo this. got around in this yeah. movie yeah so she pulled a Kelly Taylor <laughs> right but I liked it a lot I think I like Elmore Leonard a lot this has his dialogue down I think the dialogue in this movie sort of like Pulp Fiction mm. it's a different kind of dialogue it's a different sort of patois than Pulp Fiction is but it has its own unique Dialogue. It's a crackling dialogue throughout. You know, it's a very, very stylized, very clear Elmore Leonard style of dialogue throughout the movie. The way people talk, the way they interact with each other. John Travolta explaining to Danny DeVito how to look like to be in this movie that he wants to make, how to give this look mm-hmm. of like, you're just a number in my book. I don't care about I own you. But I don't care about it. I don't feel any way about it, yeah. Yeah, it's just a fact to me. You're just a number in my book, but you're mine. You're mm-hmm. my responsibility kind of thing, like, to get this and that look. Uh, and explaining that and the way he does it, the dialogue that they that they use back and forth with it, it's very good. Mm-hmm. Very, very realistic to life, but entertaining. Yeah. Elmore Al- Leonard writes very entertaining dialogue. True to life, but, like... He he's and even more than in this in other books than in this movie he has like the street lingo down 
like to a science. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if he goes and listens to people on the street. I don't <laughs> think he really. I don't think he really grew up on the streets. Like you know, like he's from the suburbs of Michigan, as far as I know. Okay, um, that's where he lives now. But I don't know if he really grew up in Detroit or, or, or grew up on the streets or, or heard people like this, or, or if he just like goes down. I don't know, but he's got it down. Like it's accurate. But he also twists it a little bit to make it very entertaining. Yeah, the way they talk. Uh, so that's the the star of the movie is the dialogue to me, as far as the plot goes. The rest of it is a, like I said, a serpentine weaving <laughs> of things happening. You know, we saw John Travolta earlier playing a mafia dude in Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Yep. So, uh, uh, do you think that there's any typecasting happening? I don't know, but he's really good in this movie. He is. He 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 has this down. Yeah. And he's just he's very charismatic and believable in this role. But he plays Chili Palmer, uh a guy from Miami, a Shylock as they call him. He's basically he's a book he's a collects a bookie, he collects collects money from people. And uh there's a guy on his books that has like fifty owes fifteen grand and has skipped town apparently. He's Faked his own death in a plane crash and has skipped down first to Las Vegas, then to Los Angeles. So we see him go to Las Vegas, then to go to L.A. And we get the sense throughout the movie that, you know, they do a couple scenes where he's watching Touch of Evil by Orson Welles and things like that, where we see that he really loves movies. Mm -hmm. He's a big fan of movies. He looks like a little kid watching this movie. And Travolta is so good at this, too. The way he does this, because he really does look like a little kid, like just so happy about watching this movie. And he doesn't like collecting, you know, money anymore. He wants yeah. to go into to the Hollywood game. So he and he's got an idea for a movie. It's the movie we're watching. Basically, yep. it's the quote, true life story of what he's doing. It's very meta. Yes, exactly. And Dennis Farina is coming after him. I'm I'm not going to go through the whole plot because there's so much going on. But I want to kind of highlight. So what were the parts about it that you didn't like? Like what what were the things, the elements that you you didn't like in the movie? The beginning and the end. In the beginning, Mm -hmm. they were introducing all the characters and all the storylines. And it was truly hard to keep it all straight. It goes, it, it is, it's quick paced at the beginning. And it's just like. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah. And then at the end, when they like yell cut and you realize that the movie you're watching is actually the movie they're filming because they're making the movie, which is what they're going to do. It made me question what was real. Well, part of the problem is that you thought somehow that Dennis Farina and Harvey Keitel were the same person. (laughs) Because you were like, well, it's the same guy. And I'm like, but it's not the same guy. The guy in the movie we watched was played by Dennis Farina, taller, little heavier set, white haired gentleman. And the guy at the end playing that role is Harvey Keitel, short, thin, like also from Pulp Fiction. Okay. He plays Winston Wolf in Pulp Fiction. Well, I did not like that. That was disorienting. But everything else about it was good. Okay. So those are the only two things you didn't like about it? Yeah. Hmm. And you're still lukewarm on it. Um. Yeah, because I didn't love the rest of it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it was it was fine. It was entertaining. You know, I like John Travolta a lot, so you know that that was good. I like the the interaction with the characters. I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. There's a a part. There's a guy called Bear, played by an actor named James Gandolfini, and he's a stuntman, as we learn. Mm-hmm. He's been in like like a bunch of movies and everything. And Travolta beats him up a couple times in this movie. And they try to set him up to get this money in a locker that the DEA is staking out. And he's too smart to do it. He goes there and kind of stakes it out and realizes what's going on. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to be able to get it or whatever. And then James, or then the bear is waiting for him, right? And he's like, well, I, w- I need the key back. He's like, you're not getting the key back. He's like, you tried <laughs> to set me up and it didn't work. And you want the key back? You're not getting the key back. Right. And... The guy uh, says, I'm going to, you know, beat the shit out of you or whatever. And Travolta beats him up again. Right. <laughs> and then as he's laying, like, he's, he's down there and he's like, like that. He's, Travolta, like, kind of lifts him up, props him against the car. And he's like, just breathe through your mouth. Just breathe. Everything's, you know, fine. And then he, he's like, so how many movies were you in? And it's like, you know, how, yeah. how like, I threw you down the stairs that time. Did you get hurt? And he's like, oh, you know, my, my, my. Uh, hamstring got messed up, like, and they're just talking about yeah. movies and stuff like that. It's, and they fade and go to the next scene. But it's I like those character interactions, and it's believable that this guy would be charming enough to get people like on his side. Mm-hmm. He comes in with a very assertive "I'm going to take what I want" attitude, which I guess would work in Los Angeles, probably. Yeah. And you know, he ends up going places, and that's. That's one thing that I think it it does really well is kind of satirize what the movie industry is like and what, mm-hmm. you know, like because as Rene Russo points out, they're going to the Ivy Room to to meet for a lunch or for a breakfast or whatever to have this meeting Every all the principals involved in this movie. Yeah. And she's he's like, what kind of food do they serve? And she goes, it doesn't matter because... Danny DeVito's, what's his name, Mel something or something yeah, like that? No, no. He's a big movie star. And she says, it doesn't matter because he'll do the movie star thing, which is to to make sure that he orders something that's not on the menu <laughs> and, you know, something they have to, like, send out for or something like that. And he, he orders, like, an egg white... An egg white omelet. With shallots and a bunch of stuff. And then he's like, yeah, I want a... a fr- what's he called? A fr- frappuccino? Um, frittata yeah that's right i think that's what it is or strawberry something it's it's strawberry it's a like it's a smoothie kind of drink yeah but with strawberries yeah and 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 then he doesn't eat it that, no, he just that was the he worst he, he orders for the whole table he says we'll just all share this mm-hmm. weird ass thing that he's ordering yep and then he doesn't eat it and he leaves because he's got another meeting asshole like i would have been <laughs> really upset yep i like food <laughs> That would have made me very angry. Yeah, because John Walter tries to stop him. He's like, well, we'll just order for the table. Everyone can pick it. He's like, no, because he's looking at the menu. (laughs) It's just like the waitress is like, okay, sir, and walks off. Right. But yeah, so I and there were like everything to me, almost everything about this movie worked for me. Like the, you know, the direction, the cinematography, obviously the writing, like I said, the characterization. The plot is goofy, but that's, to me, I think that's the good juxtaposition of the movie. The plot is goofy and kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. But the character, especially Chili Palmer, uh, 
John Travolta's character is grounded. He is he is a realistic portrayal or at least a hyper realistic portrayal of a character like this. Yeah. And he's grounded while the world around him's crazy. To me you can do you can do one of two things. You can have a realistic like world underpinning with crazy characters and that will make the comedy. Or you can have realistic characters in a crazy world. You can't have crazy characters and a crazy world. It doesn't work. It's you know, too much crazy. Yeah. Uh, you need the clash. You mm-hmm. need the juxtaposition in order for it to work. And that's, to me, it's a normal person in a crazy Hollywood you know, thing where everyone's like, oh, uh, you know. Because <laughs> the whole time, uh, what's his name? Gene Hackman's character, Zim, Harry Zim. Wants to, who's famous for making these like monster movies. Oh, and Bette Midler shows up for a minute. Yeah. To be in a nighty. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the producer of this movie was like, I want to see Bette Midler in a nighty. I guess. Well, Danny DeVito and Bette Midler work together on Ruthless People, which is okay. a very good movie. So maybe they're friends and she did it for him because he, he produced the movie too. But anyway, so. Uh, what was I saying? I don't even remember now. You were just talking about how Bette Mittler showed up in a nighty, which, you know, I mean, that was definitely noteworthy. I mean, she looked pretty good for, you know, an older lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's, Bette Mittler has always been an attractive woman. Um, but no, I can't remember exactly where I was going. But the whole, yeah. Oh, Zim. That's right. He wants to make this movie mm-hmm. and called Mr. Lovejoy or something like that. He's famous for making, like, monster movies and just crap, right? Like, 50s B-movie-style crap. And Rene Russo's been in a bunch of these pictures. And he's like, I want to produce something that actually means something, that's actually good. So he wants to produce this thing. It never happens. Right. They keep talking about it, but every meeting, like... John Travolta's character, Chili Palmer, he's like, yeah, we'll meet, we'll, we'll meet, we'll get him to do it. We'll get uh, Martin Starr or whatever the fuck his name is, the the big superstar, Danny DeVito. We'll get him to do it. And the whole time he's pitching his movie to him. And that's the movie they end up making. Yeah. But Zim's producing it, so I guess it's okay. Even though he was, he, he was on the hook for murdering some dude. They don't care? I don't know, I guess. Well, I mean, that's why I'm saying it's, it's like, it's, it's very hyper-realistic. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a wacky world, but that's that's Hollywood, right? Hollywood's yeah. hyper-realistic, too. So I think it makes sense in that way. Yeah. But I I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I thought it was very good. It was it was good. It's just like, like I said, it was just a little much for me in the beginning and the end, that's all. The beginning can be a little much. It's it's you gotta you gotta really pay attention to to keep up with it. But there's a lot of like cute sight gags about Danny DeVito being incredibly vain in there. Right. Like there's in almost every scene there's some like painting of him or billboard of him or picture of him somewhere. Yeah, it was pretty funny. But yeah, that is uh that's the episode for the week, Carol. You know Mar- what to do. <laughs> So go ahead and check out the website, RetroLateFee.com. Write us at LateFee1994 at AOL.com. Mm-hmm. Tell your friends and uh, give us the stars. Yeah, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.